0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Epiphany Brooklyn, it's good to be in the house. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Brandon, my brother, uh, my friend. He is such a godly man. I, I love your pastor. I love uh, Pastor B. He, he's he's my man. Uh, and I'm always appreciative of the opportunity to be joining my Epiphany Brooklyn family. Uh, and so uh, I'm glad to be here. I hope you're glad to be here with us as we prepare to open up the word of God this morning. So why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you grab your Bible, your iPhone, tablet, whatever you have, and meet me in the book of Isaiah uh, the book of Isaiah chapter five, we're going to be in chapter five of the book of Isaiah verses one through seven. And so uh, when you get there, I know I can't hear you, but if you're there with somebody else, or even if you're there by yourself, when you get there, say, amen, amen. Uh, and let's get, let's get ready to read. I want you to read along with me uh, as we go on this journey this morning together. Amen. Amen. Here's the word of the Lord. It says this, it says, I will sing about the one I love a song about my loved one's vineyard. The one I love had a vineyard on a very fertile hill and he broke up the soil and cleared it of stones and planted it with the finest vines. And he built a tower in the middle of it and and even dug out a wine press there. He expected it to yield good grapes, but it yielded worthless grapes. So now residents of Jerusalem and men of Judah, please judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did? Why, when I expected a yield of good grapes, did it yield worthless grapes? Now I will tell you what I'm about to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and, I, and it will be consumed. I will tear down its walls and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland. It will not be pruned or weeded. Thorns and briars will grow up. And I will also give orders to the clouds that rain should not fall on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, the plant he delighted in. He expected justice, but saw injustice. He expected righteousness, but heard cries of despair. For our time this morning, I just want to tag our text, Making Good on God's Investment. Amen, why don't you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful and thankful this morning that we get the privilege to open up your word, to unpack the nutrients of what you have invested into your word that we might know how to live so that we can know how to please you. And so God, would you sanctify us by the truth this morning for you said in your word that your word is truth. And so God, we desire to ingest your word, to be nourished by your word so that we might grow to be the men and women who you have called us to be. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus who is the Christ. If you agree with that, say amen, amen, and amen. Making good on God's investment. You know, I know I, I know a lot of people today talk about um. You know, how poorly crafted, if I could say that, how poorly crafted today's music is, whether it be a uh, rap or, or, or whether it be pop or or whatever, whatever you look at uh, or, or what music you, you, you listen to. There's something about uh, uh, the music of your generation, the, the, the music that you grew up listening to uh, that, that makes it the best. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not a I'm not a wholesale. Uh, you know, I want wholesale trash. The music of this generation, you know, every once in a while they'll come up with they'll come up with a little ditty, you know, to make you bop a little some get you make you move. But growing up, I was a huge R&B fan. Love, loved R&B. Right. You, you couldn't. Now I had no business listening to it. I'll be some of y'all had no business listening to it. Uh, but nonetheless, I was a huge R&B fan. And if if there's one thing that's missing from today's music, it's this. It's a it's a good breakup song. Like there, there there aren't many, there are I don't even know of any good breakup songs that happen today. And, and don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Whenever you would be in a relationship, you get your heart broken. You would always play that one song that just knew exactly how you felt. Let you let you sing them words out and get out all of your emotions. We need some breakup songs. Today, but but there was there 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 is one in particular, uh, or or one that 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 I remember. And the reason that this song comes to my mind is because it would come in the form of a love ballad. What would start as a love ballad, but by the time you got to the end of the song, would actually be an accusation against the love. It almost like flipped it up on you. Like you thought you were coming into this love ballad. It was all smooth and and nice and sensual. and, And you thought you were going to get some compliments. But by the end of the song, you got tore up. Now, I, I don't know if y'all remember, some of y'all might remember uh, uh, R&B artist Nate, by the name of Dave Hollister. Dave, Dave Hollister. Dave Hollister was my man. And, and, and he, I, I know y'all not here to see amens with me, so I can't tell which one of y'all are, are heathens or not. But but I'll expose myself if you don't want to expose yourself. I'll expose myself. I, I used to listen to Dave Hollister and I used to like his ratchet R&B love songs. But but he had this one he had this one song called uh, I like can't stay. And, and, and it started up, he says, he says, when we first met, things were fine. We went out to dine, strolled the beach, holding hands, sharing quality time. But what happened between then and now? Because the love we shared was lost somehow. And, 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 and one of the things about those breakup songs is they used to always portray uh, an unfaithful lover. And 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 by the end of the song, you understood uh, from the the singer's perspective why they couldn't be in that relationship with you anymore. Usually because you had done something unworthy. There was something that you didn't invest into the relationship. There was certain fruit that was expected of the relationship. There was certain priorities and commitment in the relationship that you didn't that you didn't stay committed on. That you didn't uh, hold up your end of the bargain. And so they said, "Man, I'm 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 out of here. If you can't hold." up your end of the bargain relationally, then I, I, I gots to go. But, but if I had, if I had an old school Baptist preacher void, I, I would say, I'm so glad that God doesn't do me like that. Uh, But we find ourselves here in Isaiah chapter five. And uh, it's a beautiful passage. It's very uh, it's very graphic in the sense that that it's almost poetic. He paints a beautiful picture uh, for us of the relationship between this vineyard master, this vineyard owner and the vineyard that he is cultivating. Right. And and so when we get into uh, to verse one of uh, of chapter five, the, the prophet Isaiah, as he speaks to his audience, which is the people of Israel, he begins to uh, take them on this journey uh, 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 and tell them this story about uh, this vineyard owner whose identity he doesn't release. And the the vineyard of the vineyard owner, which is symbolism for something that we aren't quite sure of yet. And, and so by the time we get to verse one, uh, Isaiah says to the people, he says, I'll sing this song about the one that I love, a song about my loved one's vineyard owner. And and and, and, and he says, my, my loved one had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. Now, now you, you, you've got to you've got to think of, think about this. It's, it's a picture. Right. You, you've got to feel yourself out there uh, in, in an open terrain on a hill where the the sun is beating down on you. You can feel the coolness of the breeze against your skin. And, 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 and he says that, that the vineyard owner, he says he, he's looking for a vineyard to cultivate. And so the first thing that he does is he finds, he finds a rich, fertile hill, which means the soil, the soil is rich in nutrients. That means that the, the soil is soft and it is healthy and it is ripe for growth. And that, that planting something in this type of soil means that you are maximizing the opportunity for the thing that you're planting to grow. Now, I, I don't know if you, you can understand the importance, but, but in order for something to grow well, it has to be planted in the right foundation. Right. And so so the Isaiah here, as he's talking to the people, he says, he says the first thing that the vineyard owner does, the very first thing that the vineyard owner does uh, when he's uh, looking to plant this vineyard, he says, man, I, I need to find some rich soil. I, I need to make sure that when I plant the seeds of uh, or, or the vines, when I plant down into the soil, that it has the type of healthy environment that will maximize its growth. But but not only that, it says in verse 2, it says that that after he finds this very fertile hill, now very fertile not just in the soil, but also the hill that has uh, easy access to the sunlight, right? It doesn't have to fight through bushes or it's not it's not shaded over by trees. It says that on the side of a hill, that means the ground is fertile and it has access to everything that it's needed. The environment is ripe for growth. But not only does he do, does he do that, it says that the vineyard owner also goes through and breaks up the soil. Because even rich soil sometimes can get can get compacted down and it makes it difficult, not because the soil isn't rich, but because maybe it doesn't have as, as good of a drainage system. Maybe it can't get to the oxygen the way it wants to. And so so like even for uh, today, like if I can bring it home to today, if if any of you have lawns, which I don't know how many of you in Brooklyn have lawns. But but I, I live down in South Jersey and, and I, I just moved last year and I, I've got me a nice size lawn now. And, and one of the things I'm concerned about is my grass because I want that rich uh, uh, thick, like plushable grass. I, I said plushable. I, it's not a word in your dictionary, but it's a word in mine. I want that plushable, green, thick grass. And one of the things sometimes you have to do is you have to aerate the lawn. That means you have to break up the soil and, and put some holes in the soil because what it does it does is it allows for oxygen. It allows for water drainage. It allows for uh, air and sunlight to get down there so that the roots can grow deeper. And so uh, Isaiah is communicating. This is what the vineyard owner is doing. He's breaking up the soil uh, to allow for and to maximize uh, and to make it easier for the plants and the roots to grow and penetrate deeper and further into the ground. Now, now, now this sounds like a lot of work. Like you've you've got to you've got to you've got to scope out good land and and, and then you've got to break the soil up. And, 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 and this is only the beginning stages of what Isaiah is communicating. The vineyard owner is doing and, and he's not even done yet because the second half of verse two says that he cleared, he cleared this land of stones. That means he, he removed the stones. The stones could be anything that uh, impedes the growth of the vine. Once it starts to grow, Some, sometimes if, if you left the stones uh, in the soil, then, then the, the, the roots would not be able to, or the plant would not be able to grow up because there was something so heavy sitting on top of it. It, it just couldn't, it just couldn't grow the way it was supposed to do because it was burdened by heaviness or, or it might have to, it, it might have to grow around the stone, which meant that, 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 the stem would not be as healthy because it couldn't grow straight up. And, and there were some bendages and some breakages in places that it wasn't supposed to be. And so, so he says, this vineyard owner he he makes sure that he removes as many obstacles as possible from impeding the way of the vines to be able to grow to their fullest potential he says they, they, these stones sometimes this is what I, I love I say I love a good commentary look good commentary get, help you get good background information look what it says it says these stones would be piled uh, around the perimeter of the field as a wall to keep out animals. Right, and so they would take these stones from out of the field and they would they would take them up and they would they would place them around the field so that small animals would not be able to uh, uh, just come in and trample over the plants that are trying to grow or nibble on the plants that were trying to go uh, and it said if the owner possessed enough energy and interest they would do this they would build a watchtower as well and so you you have to think about how invested somebody has to be in order to take this kind of care to build not only a wall of protection, a hedge of protection around the vine, but also to build a stone tower so that they could personally be there to watch and make sure that nobody or no thing was coming into the vineyard that was not supposed to be there. See, I I don't know if that says anything to you, but but a vineyard owner who's invested, he doesn't just build it and leave. He he builds it and he leaves. He builds somewhere a watchtower that allows him to stay there personally with an ever watchful eye to look on what he's investing in. And if that if that wasn't if that wasn't enough, it goes on to say, Isaiah goes on to, to, to sing in this song that that he planted the vineyard with the finest of vines. Now, I don't don't know if that means anything to you, but if I could give you an example, it's it's similar to how around this time last year, uh, a lot of y'all were running around, scrambling around, standing in three hour lines for some old raggedy Popeye's chicken sandwich. And and, and all I'm here to do is tell you that when God wants you to have, you know, let me look at, let me look directly at you in this camera. When, When God wants his best for you, he doesn't make you stand in three-hour Popeyes lines. He gives you a, a a a movable lane called Chick-fil-A with God's chicken, where where they they say thank you for your service. We're happy to serve you. You ain't got to stand in no Popeyes line. That's what God's doing here. He he says he says when when God wants to give you the finest, He doesn't give you Popeyes. He gives you Chick-fil-A. And so, so he says, says he planted the finest vines. These, the, once the vines were planted, right, that he, he would, he would, he would, uh, plant these vines and, and, and for really good vines, like really healthy vines, the finest of vines, they would take about two years, uh, until you saw some of the fruit actually come up from the vine and which lets you know that the, the vineyard owner, after investing, not only scouting out a fertile hill with fertile soil that had good access to the sun and 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 not only uh, um like removing the stones uh that were in the way and not only planting the finest vines he the, the vineyard owner now has to wait For his return on investment. But guess what? The vineyard owner knows that it's going to take some time uh, to see the fruit of what he's now invested into the soil, which means that the vineyard owner is okay with giving the fruit a healthy amount of time to be produced. He he's he's he like like the vineyard owner has he has rightful expectations. He doesn't expect growth too quickly or too soon, but he does expect growth. He 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 just knows that it might take a little while to see some of the fruit of what's being cultivated. He says the the waiting and the anticipation. Uh, during that time of waiting and anticipation, the vineyard owner, he might strengthen the watchtower or, or or build other facilities, which is what Isaiah says happens next. It says that he even dug out a wine press. Now, now in the Hebrew, uh, 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 the wine presses in the emphatic, which means that there was an immense difficulty of the work involved in digging it out. Uh, and, and so you, you've you got to understand, like, uh, for a vineyard owner, they don't have to build a wine press. Like that's not something they have to do, but, but the vineyard owner is so invested and he's so excited for... The growth and the fruitfulness of what he's planting, because remember the the environment is ripe for maximizing growth. You've got good soil. You've got access to sunlight, the best of vines. You've got a hedge of protection, so you don't have anything coming in and taking uh, something that doesn't belong to them. And you've got time to grow. And, and, and so in the meantime, while he's waiting, he says, "You know what? When when that fruit comes, I want to be able to I want to be able to get the the juices." out. I want to be able to get the fruitfulness out of my investment. And so uh, it says that the the vineyard owner created a mechanism that would get what was put in you out of you. And that was healthy expectation. So it says that he he dug out a wine press. Now wine presses during that time were usually or possibly dug out on the side of the hill out of rock. And so you're talking about labor, laborious work, on top of the work that has already been done. And it wasn't necessary. Only, uh, only the most careful of vineyard owners would go to this extent. Only the most careful of vineyard owners would put in this much work, this much backbreaking work, to make sure that what they had planted was in an environment conducive for growth and that they had time for growth and that when growth was supposed to occur, there were mechanisms in place to get the fruitfulness out of them. And so at the end of verse, the verse, verse two, which is the end of the song, a short song, the song turns into a complaint because after a long time of hopeful waiting, of expectant waiting, For the vines to mature, this vineyard owner finds not only that they haven't matured, but sour, rotten fruit. Look what it says. It says he expected it to yield good grapes, but it yielded worthless grapes. It didn't even yield no grapes, but it yielded worthless grapes. So the The prophet here is emphasizing that the farmer's prior commitment, the vineyard owner's prior commitment and all that he's done in this backbreaking work. uh, There's an expectation of receiving the crop of good grapes. And yet he got a result of worthless grapes and that all of his hope had been in vain. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine investing and investing, investing, setting, setting this thing up to, to win, to succeed, to be fruitful? You've put in time and resources and energy from your own pocket and, and, and the only natural next step was growth and productivity and fruitfulness only to have that thing turn its back on you and produce the exact opposite of what was expected. And so now, 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 now the narrative begins to shift, uh, begins to shift because we go from Isaiah uh, singing his song about this, this uh, vineyard owner in his vineyard. Right. We don't we don't know the identity of either one uh, to a first person account where the vineyard owner is now has now jumped in to the conversation and is talking to the people of Israel. Right. And 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 and. and and, and and what he says is he says, so now residents of Jerusalem and men of Judah, he says, please judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done than what I did? And so it's 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 interesting now, because when he inserts himself into the conversation, uh, the vineyard owner is now he's now introducing or, or he's welcoming and inviting in uh, the community to now assess what has taken place? What has transpired between what he's invested and what the vineyard has produced? And so th- this was not be uncommon. This was not an uncommon occurrence to now invite another audience into uh, this 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 uh, tension and this discord to now be able to assess who was right and who was wrong. And so here the vineyard owner says he says, man, I need y'all help. I need you to help me for a second. I need you to, I I need to, I need to make sure I'm not crazy. I I need to make sure that I'm not tripping here and and that, that, that I did everything that I could do, everything that I was supposed to do to make sure that there was fruitfulness and that the lack of fruitfulness is not a me issue, but them, a, a, a them issue, right? And so, so the vineyard owner invites, invites Uh, The rest of the community. And it brings me to my first point. I have three, three quick points for us. And then uh, then I'm out your way. The first point is this. I want you to remember this and and write this down. God is not responsible for your lack of holiness. You know, I, I, I know we often want to find someone or or something to blame for why we aren't spiritually mature yet or why we aren't further along uh, in our walk with God for 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 why our uh, circumstances cause us to respond the ways that we do and, and and why there has been a lack of commitment and a lack of passion for God, a lack of commitment to communities. There, there are a whole lot of things that we try to find blame on uh, that we put on external factors. If this was different. If that person didn't say that thing to me, if 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 if, I, if if I just would have had somebody reach out to me more often, if people really would have cared, if somebody would have prayed for me, if I didn't lose my job, we come up with all of these excuses for why we're not walking with God the way we're supposed to walk, and we rarely find ourselves looking at us as the reason why we're not where we're supposed to be. And but 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 he, he says. He 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 says, look 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 what James says. James chapter one says he says no one undergoing a trial should say I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil and He Himself doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by what by his own evil desire. And after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And then, and then look what Jesus himself says in John fifteen eight. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And so in, bo- in both of those verses, we see on one hand that we, we can't blame God for our lack of growth. That, that's a that's a responsibility of that, that we have to, to in tandem work with the spirit so that we can walk by the spirit and not satisfy the desires of the flesh. Because when we satisfy the desires of the flesh, James chapter one says that it, it gives way to sin and sin when it's fully grown gives way to death. Uh, but, but, but it also says that there's an expectation, John chapter 15, verse eight, there's an expectation for growth. And that's how we glorify God. We glorify God when we are fruitful in our walks with the Lord. So look what, look what happens. Verse three, look what, look what happens. He says suddenly the, the, you know, the, the vineyard owner, he interrupts the song and, and now he, he's inviting the the listeners from Jerusalem to, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to come in and help him decide who was at fault. And, and everyone and anyone who heard this song from Isaiah, they, they would empathize with this vineyard owner and his hard work and, and his anxious expectation. They'd be like, man, listen, listen, you did everything you were supposed to do. You ain't tripping. Man, you, you, you got the best vines. You, you, you took the stones out and built a, a hedge of protection and a tower. You even built a wine press and you put it on a nice fertile. What more was you supposed to do, fam? You, you did everything that you could do. What more was you supposed to do? And so you could, you could even empathize with the shock and disgust of the vineyard owner when he comes back to find uh, that his supposed to be fruitful vineyard is worthless. I would be hot if I invested money after money, time after time, resource after resource into something that never produced a return. And and, and so, so here, the vineyard owner is, he, he's he's banking on the people of Israel, the men of Israel being on his side because why wouldn't they be? Naturally, anybody who invests a lot into something would expect a return. And so this audience that's participating would have rightfully shouted out, man, ain't nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with that vineyard. You, 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 need, to, you need to get rid of that vineyard as quick as you can. But little did they know that they would end up condemning themselves in the process. But not only not only is God not responsible for our lack of holiness, but listen, God is not absent when we experience the consequences of our sin. Ooh, listen, y'all ain't got to tell me I'm preaching. I know I'm in the text right now. See, some of us think that our consequences, like God is absent. And so we cry out to God, like, God, where you at? God, why you not watching? God, if you would just help me get out of this situation, not even realizing that God's the reason that you in it anyway. He's the one that put you there. Right. We, we don't we don't we don't like talking about that, though. We we don't like talking about how Jonah tried to run from God and and, and God put him in the belly of a fish. We don't we don't like to talk about how uh, Uzzah reached his hand down to catch the ark because he assumed that his hand was less polluted than the ground. And God struck him down. We, we don't like to talk about that, though. But Isaiah Isaiah here and the vineyard owner here, they want the people to have absolutely no doubts as to. What the owner will do because of the lack of fruitfulness that was expected, that was rightfully expected. From the vineyard. And so and so uh, in, in, in verse five, it says that the the, the vineyard owner, he, he's not going to merely abandon. He's not just going to jump ship and abandon the vineyard. He's going to assist in its destruction. Like the vineyard owner takes an active approach to destroying the worthless vineyard. He says, like, like if you're not going to be productive, if you're not going to be fruitful, then I, I don't, I'm not going to walk away from you. I'm, I'm going to wipe this thing out. I'm going to take, I'm going to wipe it. Out. And look what, look what it does. Look what he says. Verse five, he says, he says, I will, I, I will remove its hedge and it will be consumed. The, the, the stone wall, the things that I was placing around the vineyard for protection, uh, is the very thing that I'm going to move and it will then be consumed. The animals will run free and, uh, the marauders will come in and stomp on it and steal. And, and then he says, he says, I'm going to tear down its walls and it will be trampled and, and I'll make it a wasteland. See, if a vineyard can only produce wild grapes, then there's no use cultivated. And so with the lack of cultivation comes just uh, 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 thorns and thistles and, and weeds that choke out the fruit, uh, even the bad fruit. And, and then, then, then this is crazy. He 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 takes an active approach of of personally like removing the hedge and 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 not cultivating it a, even further. But but then the vineyard owner got the audacity to look up at the clouds and command the clouds to not let no rain down. And so what, like as a, as a cloud, what you gonna do when 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 God says don't you dare rain on that vineyard? And they're like man, listen, I, I want to help you out, fam. I see you looking a little dry. I know you could use some rain, but but man, uh, he. He, I, I don't want to happen to me what's happening to you because I disobeyed and let some rain fall, right? Like, like, like can you imagine that? Like, like the God of heaven saying, don't give him what he needs right now because he's wasted it already. Commanding the clouds, not even to rain. This might appear to be severe or severe overreaction on the part of the disappointed vineyard Owner, but it's totally appropriate. Since there's no hope of ever getting anything of any value to grow in the vineyard, why does it need rain? Not only um not only does God is God not responsible for our lack of holiness, and not only is he not absent uh, when we experience the consequences of our sin, but we have to understand that that God He's the one who holds up the the divine mirror to us. He's the one that puts the mirror right in front of our faces so that we can truly see who he is and who we are. And there's something about having the divine mirror of a holy God placed before your face and you really get to see clearly who he is and who you are. But, but I like, I like, I like the, I, I like what, um, I look what the vineyard owner and Isaiah are doing here because it's very, it's very reminiscent of the conversation that happens between Daniel, uh, not Daniel, between David and Nathan in second Samuel chapter 12, because up until, uh, up until verse seven, the vineyard owner's identity had not been revealed And then we find out in verse seven, the vineyard vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel and the men of Judah. And so we see that the vineyard owner is the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Yahweh, and the vineyard itself is symbolic of the people of Israel and the men of Judah. But I I, I like the approach uh, uh, that Isaiah takes where he doesn't fully give away What's taking place yet? And he gets his audience on his side, not realizing them, not realizing that they're condemning themselves. It's similar to, to how Nathan approaches David and tells him a story. And he says, he says, man, he says, there, there was, there, there was a king. He had a bunch of, uh, sheeps and lambs and there was a poor man. He had one and the king took the one from the guy and David goes ballistic and says, I'm going to kill him. How could he do something so unjust? And then Nathan says, you are the man. And and David couldn't say anything because he had just uh, he had just uh, confirmed that he was in agreement that there was a a deep injustice that had been caused. Just like the people here in their conversation with the vineyard owner and with Isaiah had confirmed through their uh, frustration and through uh, their affirmation that what had transpired between the vineyard owner and the vineyard uh, was unjustified. That the vineyard should have been producing fruit. That the vineyard owner had a Right to expect growth and health from the vineyard itself, and so the people of Israel condemned themselves before a holy, righteous God without even knowing it. And he says, he says, he says, he says, he says, because the vineyard owner, when he came to look for fruitfulness from the plant that he delighted in, he expected to see justice, but he saw. Injustice. He, said, he expected to see righteousness, but he heard cries of despair. Says that the, the fruit of God's labor is, is not the pursuit of justice and righteousness. He had been but depositing that in them, but rather oppression and violence. And so it wasn't it wasn't just a lack of justice and a lack of righteousness. It wasn't like he showed up and didn't see anything. But he saw the antithesis. He saw the exact opposite of justice. He saw the exact opposite of righteousness. He saw oppression. He saw injustice. What, what did their injustice and unrighteousness look like? Well, if we look at if we look at chapter one, verses 11 through 15, we see. We see a, a, a number of identifying factors of what God tells them he's tired of dealing with from his people. But, but if I could, if I could just take a, a summarizing verse from Isaiah that describes what the people of Israel were like in their relationship to God. Uh, uh, it, it says this from Isaiah chapter 29, verse thirteen. And Lord says, these people say they are my people. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules. It's a farce learned by memory, learned by habit. And so so we we have to ask the question, man, what, like, if God were to come and inspect the fruit of my life, what would he find? Man of God, woman of God, if God God was to come right now and inspect the fruit of what of what you've done, would he see righteousness there? Would he see love? Would he see patience? Would he say peace? Would he see kindness? Would he see long suffering? Would he see care? Would he see injustice? It's easy to take a message like this and apply it to the rest of the world. But here, the vineyard owner, Isaiah, they're not talking to the rest of the world. They're talking to the covenant people of God. They're talking to the house of God. When he comes to inspect all that he's planted in you, what will he find? Because you've had access to a healthy church. You've had access to his word. You've had access to community. You've had access to small groups. You've had access upon access upon access. You've been given, Peter says, all things pertaining to life and godliness. What have you done with it? As I close, the scene was New York City, right here in New York City, 1939, in a new popular integrated cabaret club, Cafe Society, had a hot new performer on stage, performing three times a week. And her name was Billie Holiday. And that year she had introduced a new song that had become somewhat controversial because of its lyrics. And and, and I I I want to read it for you. This is what she sung. She says, Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood at the root. Black bodies swinging in the Southern breeze, strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. The song was a haunting critique of lynching and race terrorism in the American South. And if you were alive during that time and you're made your way down south and look up at the trees, instead of seeing apple trees, you would see young black men. Instead of seeing orange trees, you would see young black women. What you would often see hanging from those trees wasn't supposed to be there. It was unusual. It was foreign, it was strange. If I could submit just a single question to you today, people of God, what is hanging on your tree that's not supposed to be there? What looks strange about your life because you spent so much time imitating and being influenced by this world? My brothers and sisters, our God knows all too well about strange fruit. For when the word who became flesh marched up Calvary's hill and was nailed to a tree, he himself was strange fruit. He didn't belong there, but he hung there in your place and mine. What what an irony that the vineyard keeper had to become strange fruit just so that you and I could bear good fruit. What an irony. So whatever you do, my brother, my sister, my people, whatever you do, make sure that you make good on God's investment. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are so thankful. Thankful for your sacrifice on that old rugged tree. You were nailed there to a cross. You were pierced in your side so that we might have life and have life abundantly. Father, we repent for those moments where we have taken advantage of your grace, where we have misdefined, redefined what it means to be free in Christ. Because you say in your word that it's for freedom that we've been set free. And true freedom means that we have the power of the Spirit of God to say no to sin and yes to Christ, yes to holiness, yes to love. God our Father, would you help us today to give us the strength by your Spirit to walk in the Spirit so that we don't satisfy the desires of our flesh, so that we can live our lives as mirrors of your grace so that when we be when we're in our homes with our families whether we're at work with our co-workers whether we're on the street and people that we don't even know are watching us that that they might see the fruit of a life committed to Jesus Christ God we pray that your name will be glorified in and through us and that your people would be edified for our good and for your glory this day we pray in the mighty matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Grace and peace.